All right, let's pray and then we'll begin. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you hear us when we pray. Thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus that brings us out, sets us above, opens our eyes that we see from our hearts, realities and truths from your word. Father, we yield ourselves to your spirit. We look to you now. Once again, we endeavor to live our life yielded to you. But Father, especially right now, we look to the perfect law of liberty, your word. For the life and the light, the direction, the restoration, and the deliverance that's in your word. Thank you that you sent your word and you delivered us. Set us free. Thank you that there is not, there does not exist a bondage, a chain too strong, too difficult that the power of the blood of your son has not already conquered. Thank you that in him we are free. In him and where your spirit is, we have perfect liberty. Hallelujah. You are a good God. Thank you that you dwell and live on the inside of every believer. That no scriptures of any private understanding or interpretation, but your spirit, he reveals to every one of your children. Life. Words that will give us a firm foundation to step up and to step out of dark deep pits to step up and step out of the muck and the mire, the clay that you always show us the way out that you make a way of escape hallelujah with joy we draw water from your wells of salvation thank you Lord, hallelujah that your joy is strength in us Hallelujah. You are good. Always are. Always will be. Thank you that you're never changing. Your goodness is never failing, never changing, never fading. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No matter what's hallelujah, you're good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometimes you don't know a lot. <laughs> if you realize it, most of the time you don't know a lot. But sometimes it really feels like you don't know a lot. But you know this, or know this, God is good. God is a good God. You can confess that when it seems like everything else, and you really should, when it seems like, oh, God's not so good. Well, you just know in that, in that time or that experience, the enemy is working on you. He's deceiving. He's a master of deception. And so he, he'll, like, in other words, he'll paint a picture and make it look one way when it's really not that way. You know, if you want to see um, um, an arena of life that has people that have uh, uh, kind of refined some of this, I'm not saying all, but some politicians you can see like masters of deception. Like, you see this, you hear this, but let me explain to you, it's not really what you see or what you hear. You know, that, so I'm not saying every politician, you should pray, you know, you pray for the uh, people, 
that uh, challenge you the most. And uh, if you just learned to pray for people before you talk about them, you'd probably say a lot less. So if you struggle in that arena, pray. I mean, Jesus got upset when he went uh, into Jerusalem that, uh, that day and they were selling all this merchandise in the temple and so he, he, he got upset. Righteous anger. But he tipped the tables over. I shouldn't say tipped them. He like threw them over. Why? He said, my house should be called a house of prayer. Well, that was the earth-made temple that had the holies of holies that contained the presence of God. But man, when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, that curtain, which was like, was it 18 inches thick, it was ripped from top to bottom, not bottom to top, in half. And he came to live in the hearts of men and women who would make Jesus Lord. So now you are the temple of the living God. And so you are the house of prayer. So pray without ceasing. That means, that mean like everything is like, Father, I'm asking. Well, I don't want to get off on that, but. Prayer is a lot more than making a request. That's one type of prayer. Uh, prayer is a lot more than that. Um, but uh, it means instead of just complaining and reasoning and getting worried, pray. And you pray more, you'll speak less. And uh, if you really live in that attitude of prayer, you, you'll find you'll begin to say something about do you know how stupid that decision, and you'll stop. Because something on the inside is not really something either. Someone on the inside, we say something on the inside, moving on the outside, but that's someone on the inside. You've got this God's own spirit on the inside. You know, leading you not to knock that stuff over. But we all have flesh, so sometimes we do. I'm just picking on Jeremy. So you have someone on the inside who wants blessing in your life more than you want blessing in your life. And blessing's a lot more than money, but money's involved. But really, when you start to see things for how they really are, you're not really so focused on the money. You're like, I don't really care about all that I'm just seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you better look out because it's coming the money too it's funny like the things of God you know it's like Jesus said I love I love reading after Jesus not just because he's my Lord but he talks different than most people and he's like oh I see you kind of like uh, running around Trying to do this, get this education, get this job, make lots of money, get this position of prestige and, you know, uh, go on this vacation, that vacation, whatever I can do for a thrill, jump out of an airplane, you know, go down a ski slope straight, no stopping. <laughs> and he's like, hey, hey, hold on, hold on, everybody. I see you're trying to find your life, but the only way to find it is to lose it. And we're all like, What? Jesus thinks different than the natural human mind thinks. 
So he has a pathway that leads to success, that leads to triumph, that leads to freedom, in which is freedom. And if we walk in that path, well, you'll have blessing. Uh, it doesn't matter how much money you have. If the person uh, that you have joined your life to, that you married, is given a doctor's report that they have three days left to live. And the doctors say, it doesn't matter. We don't have a cure. We don't have an answer. You say, well, I have uh, $5 million. They say, I don't really care. Can't help you. Can't do anything for you. Or maybe you have all the resources that you need, but your kids are high on drugs. They're not living for the Lord. They're living just for the temporary things, the thrill of the temporary. Well, I tell you what, the blessing of the Lord on your life will affect your family. It'll affect your body. Some people want to fight healing. Like, just would to God that they would see what they're doing because, you know, literally people are saying, without saying it this way, no, 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 God wants you to live forever in heaven and have a good life. But now here on earth, uh, he doesn't want your body well. He doesn't want you provided for. And he doesn't want you mentally free. Whatever your lot in life is, you kind of got to go through it. And then when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that's going to be. Let's just look to eternity. But Jesus never taught any such lie. He said, when you're born again, you receive the very life and nature of God himself. And when he died on the cross, you know, they say he, he, was, he was whipped, was it 40 times? And they categorize all diseases in 40 categories? And it says, by whose stripes we were healed? says, well, well, what's the will of God? Maybe the will of God is not that I get healed. Maybe he's trying to teach me something through this. Well, Jesus came. He said, I don't do my own will. I just did the will of the Father. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing. Healing is the will of God. The will of God doesn't mean like, you know, uh, you know my kids come into my office and say, hey, Dad, is it your will that I go ride my bike? And I say, yes, it's my will that you ride your bike. And I'm just like, but, uh, what do you call it? Bland about it, not involved. Healing is the will of God. It is the strong, urgent, passionate desire of God that his children walk in physical health just as much as they have spiritual health. Even as your soul prospers, that your body prospers. What is, what is bodily prosperity? That means you have more than enough strength and energy and vitality and you have no incipient death in your body. What is incipient death? That is any sickness or disease because if that thing is not stopped through natural or supernatural means, you will die of what's called a very mild illness because uh, God designed our bodies so well uh, that they will ward off sickness and disease. You know, people get a fever, 
Why? Trying to burn it out. Well, Jesus is like, he saw Peter's mother-in-law and said she had a fever. He's like, well, get up. So he got rid of the sickness and the fever at the same time. He's still doing the same thing today. Just uh, uh, what, about a week and a half ago or something like that, one of my, one of my kids uh, wasn't feeling well. We thought he was just tired. So I went in to see him in his room before he's going to bed. And uh, he, 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 it was not like him to just go to bed like that, that easily. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, something must be wrong. <laughs> and uh, so I, I said, well, let me pray for you. I went to pray for him, and I put my hand on him. Oh, he was hot. And so I just said something like, Lord, we thank you that you are our healer. We just command sickness and disease to leave this body right now, and I command this fever to go down. Within five seconds, his, his head, you could, I could feel his head change. Just boom, like that. Jesus is still doing the same thing today. But he, he, he operates through his body, functions through his body. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. You can remember that. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. 1313. You can recall things with your mind, but you remember with your spirit. Well, remember, the rich man and Lazarus, rich man died, Lazarus died, rich man was in hell, lifted up his head and said, you know, Father Abraham, you know, this beggar that was outside my door all the time, can you like uh, send him to, he's in heaven, can you send him to get some water and bring it to me? Because I'm tormented in this flame. I just need just one drop of water. Just give me one drop of water. And Abraham said, son, remember. Well, he's outside of his body. He's in the next life, what we call the next life. But he said, son, remember. So actually, evidently, you can remember without your brain. And so you develop spiritually. You'll actually... Uh, be able to remember. Well, what do you do? Well, you have authority. So don't say, I always forget. Don't make that declaration like I always forget. Especially if you believe it, don't make that declaration. If you, if you experience always forgetting and you make the mistake of believing that and then confessing that, well, of course you always forget. Number one, you're not speaking the word. But number two, you're not even trying. Well, faith is not a try. Faith is a, a do. So what do you do? So because of what the word of God says concerning health and healing, and because you know it's your spirit that brings those things back, you say, oh, I remember as good as I ever have. So that's my confession. So I'll remember that. So that's why I said 1 Corinthians 13, 13, you remember that. So you say, I remember that. 
If I want to wake up at a certain time without an alarm clock, before I go to bed, I just say, I will wake up at um, 5.15 in the morning. And I wake up a minute or two before that. Because you can develop your spirit. But if you just ignore your spirit, um, you will then be forced to develop your mind apart from your spirit and your body. You heard me use this illustration probably before, which is uh, I love to jog. But if I was going to go climb a, a mountain or a rock wall or something like that, um, because I, I jog, my legs are stronger than my arms, and maybe they're just because they're bigger muscles as well. I never studied that out, but anyhow. <laughs> so that means if I come and I'm climbing and I come to a gap that I have to cross, and I think, oh, it's going to take a lot of strength to do that, I'm going to figure out a way to use my legs instead of my arms because I feel like my arms are not prepared for this. But I'm going to come to a place at some point, and maybe really quickly, <laughs> rock climbing, or I really need my arms, but I have not developed my arms. So I'm going to try. You know, I, I said before, uh, a lot of people only have faith as far as reason will allow. So you really exercise your reasoning abilities. So as long as it makes sense to me, I will believe. Maybe that's kind of where Thomas was at. His was like reasoning based on physical senses. And a lot of our reasoning is based on physical senses. So we say, well, I'll believe in healing as long as I pray, Lord, heal me, and this leaves, I feel it leave. That's not Bible faith. That's believing in what you, well, you can't really say it's believing. That's uh, knowledge of what you see and feel. But believing is unseen, the unseen realm. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you actually give substance to things that you desire and hope for with faith. Faith is that substance. So you say, uh, I believe I'm healed. Yeah, but I don't feel healed. Well, I don't have to feel healed to believe that I'm healed. I believe what God said. Oh, okay, so back to praying for my son. So I was praying for my son. And I may have misspoke because I, I, I kind of recall that I prayed for him and then I, I took my hand off and then I put it back on like five, ten seconds later. And it was cool. So before I've prayed for them, normally what I would do is I would pray and I just leave my hand on until till it, it gets cool. You know, believers lay hands on the sick, they will recover. So, but this time I just laid hands on him and spoke. And then, you know, as I was standing there, I, I kind of been through this before, so I, I kind of expected what did happen to happen. But I was thinking when I was doing that, isn't it interesting? You could just, if you didn't know in your heart that the prayer of faith works, well, you might kind of like just think, okay, I, I did what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not really expecting anything to change. It just kind of becomes a routine or something like that. But when you, when you 
believe you receive when you pray, you're like, oh, I know it's going to change. I like A.B. Simpson. You know, he, he um, had a really bad heart condition and uh, could only just, he was a pastor, could just get up to preach one, one day a week. And uh, all week he'd have to recover from preaching and then get enough energy to preach again the next week. So uh, people in his church started getting healed. And he, um, uh, he said, you know what, I'm going to go away for a couple weeks. I'm going to investigate this healing in the Bible. So he started looking, and he said after two weeks, just two weeks, just two weeks, he was about dead. just took him two weeks. He, he, he read every scripture in the Bible about healing. And he said after two weeks, he wrote, in his, uh, he wrote a declaration, and he said, I have come to see that healing is just as much a part of the redemptive work of Christ as salvation for the soul or what we know as a spirit. He said, it's just as much. He said, so I this day receive Jesus as my healer as I have already received him as my Lord. And then he wrote on that declaration, he said, whether my body felt any different, I don't even know. I know I didn't care. Why didn't he care? Didn't he want to be well? Yeah. Because he recognized in the word, wait a second. This is, oh, let me pause. I think the best litmus test you can do with any um, understanding you get from the word is take it back to being born again. How'd you get born again? Well, you believe you receive when you pray. Right? You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Were you waiting for a feeling? Well, you actually confessed that you were saved before you were saved. And then the feelings came. I mean, people I've prayed with, I love praying with people to get born again. Because you kind of get like, they'll be like, you know, you know what's going to happen. You're praying and they're all, oh, you know, this is horrible or whatever. I just got to give my life to the Lord. So they give their life, and then they're, they're all like, it's almost they all go, ah, I feel like a big weight just lifted off of me. Well, you don't have to feel to believe, but they believed. We prayed. And then all of a sudden, they noticed like a weight that was there was, is no longer there. They're not carrying that anymore. They are born again. They are changed. Well, if it works... Uh, when you're born again, it's the same thing because like A.B. Simpson found out, Jesus did the work at the same time. The curse was spiritual death, sickness, and poverty. And Christ has redeemed us from that. He's delivered us from that, set us free from that. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now... Abides faith, hope, the King James says charity, but love is a better translation. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And somebody said, well, how does that all connect? Well, listen, I'm going to read in New Living Translation, 1 Corinthians 13. And I want you to pay attention, pay attention.
to all these things because if you walk in the flesh, Paul said, by the Holy Spirit, so really it's the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul, if you uh, gratify the flesh or live by the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you mortify the deeds of the flesh, you'll live, you'll have life. This is to people that are born again, he was right. So walking in the Spirit is walking in love. So I love the, man, because I didn't grow up that way, understanding that um, the same move of God that happened in what we call the early church or the beginnings of our church would be a better way to say it. The same move of God that happened then, God has not changed. He is still the God of miracles. He is still healing the sick, cleansing the leper, delivering those that are mentally oppressed. He, he hasn't changed, and he's not going to change. He said, I, I am God, and I change not. And so let's look at 1 Corinthians 13 in the New Living Translation. I'm going to read the whole chapter. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy... And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. Hey, look what I did. But I would have gained nothing. One translation says it amounts to absolutely nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love... will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. These three things last forever. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I'm going to have to speed this up, aren't I? Praise the Lord. 1 John 4, 8, and we'll go back to 1 Corinthians. He that loveth not knows not God, for God is love. 
Well, if God is love and you want to develop in spiritual things, you're going to have to develop in love in order to develop in spiritual things. And I don't know about you, but the same way the Lord directs me in love is the same way he directs me when I pray in other tongues in the spirit. Uh, it, the unction feels very similar. And uh, when, you know, one of my uh, favorite verses is, is uh, what uh, 1 Corinthians 16. Uh, 4.16, I think it is. Hold on. I just got a new app on my Bible. Well, it's a new part of this app. And so now it... Um, I have these little windows here. I can't find it. Let me put a different thing here. First, Second uh, Corinthians five fourteen. Second Corinthians five fourteen. For the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ constrains us. My favorite translation is a Weymouth translation. It says, "For the love of Christ overmasters us." Overmasters us. You look up that word constrained uh, or overmastered, and uh, you know, it's the same uh, word that was used for Peter's mother in law that she had a fever. She was constrained by that fever. So the love of Christ constrains us or compels us. Why? Uh, because we judge this way if one died for all, then we're all dead. And if all were dead, then they that live should live for him that died for them and rose again. So he's saying, you know, the love of Christ constrains us. Why? Because we recognize every one of us was dead. And Jesus died for every single one of us. So that should be a confession that the love of God constrains me. The love of God overmasters me. Well, you might not want to say that to your husband or your wife right in the midst of uh, your struggle. Like, your spouse does something that's a little annoying to you, and you're like, the love of God overmasters me. <laughs> oh, I, well, because uh, in those times, they might not take it the way you mean it. Henry Drummond has a great book called The Greatest Thing in the World. And you can get many copies of it free online, or you can order it. But I'm saying copies of like a soft copy, a PDF or something. And um, it's an older book, very old book, actually. Uh, it's a sermon he preached back in like 1890 or something like that. And it's amazing, a book on love. But um, he said that uh, love is the uh, one secret to influence in the life of somebody else. That people will actually rise to the measure of their belief of your belief in them. Okay, why? Love believes the best. So if you believe 
that I believe, this is confusing, huh? That you're a failure. That's not going to affect you the same way if you feel like a failure and you believe that I believe that you're a tremendous success. Sometimes the greatest thing people need is just to know someone else believes that they are who God says they are. That they believe they can do it. He tells a story about these um, kids who are at a, a male boarding school and they got a new head uh, person there. And uh, kids, the boys were always, you know, doing stuff they shouldn't do, getting into things they shouldn't get into. <laughs> and so um, he called all the boys together and said, boys, I just want to let you know, I know you know all the rules. I know what, you know what you're supposed to do and not supposed to do. And I just want to tell you, I trust you. So they kind of snickered and went off and did their thing. They started doing stuff they're not supposed to do. He just, I trust you guys. After a couple times of doing that, you know what happened? The boys said to each other, you know, it's really a shame to be doing this because he trusts us so much. He doesn't believe that we're going to do this type of stuff. I can't even do this anymore. So those boys actually rose to what he believed in them. Now just think if God believed in us that we were just failures. That we're just mess ups. How would that affect you? Well, you'd probably mess up and be a failure. <laughs> but if you know that God loves you and he made a way, you, you know God is just. And he acts justly and does rightly. You know, God knows everything. So when he created man, he knew that man was going to mess up. Actually, Jesus was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. And so God knew what was going to happen. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have the same life and nature as God, have eternal life. Aeonius Zoe in the Greek. God so loved that he gave. Jesus said, I've come that you might have this life. And that you would have it in abundance. Well, God's, he is justice, right? He is love and he is justice. So in his love and in his justice, he saw that man would fall. And that man would have these problems and these challenges. And he said, the only right and just thing for me to do is to make a way. That they would not be forever in that condition that they could escape, that they could come back. Do you ever think about that? Sometimes you think of the justice of God as like, okay, this is, this is what you did, so this is what you deserve, so this is justice. Right? They, they got justice. But God's a God of mercy. But he's also a God of justice. Well, what does that mean? 
That means that Jesus himself so became your sin. It was tantamount to you being on that cross. It was the same. He so identified with your sin and my sin, he actually became it, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God is fully just, and the requirements of the law were fully met in Jesus Christ to set us free because God loves us. Well, if God can be a God of justice and treat his people that way, well, how can, how can we be? Well, if you're going to try to love people with a natural human love, well, I just want to tell you, give up. Natural human love is selfish. And natural human love will say, you spit on me, I'll spit on you. You cut me off in the traffic, I'll cut you off in the traffic. <laughs> I think, you know, it's not so fun to tell this anymore because road rage is kind of more common. Um, when I used to live in Tulsa back in the 90s, early 2000s, I was entering on Interstate 44. I was getting in a, on an on-ramp. And, I, you know, there's this white line. You're not really supposed to cross this white line, right? They make that there for a reason. There's, plus, there's nails and other junk sometimes in that white line. Anyhow, so I'm getting on this on-ramp, and this person is just, like, on my backside of my vehicle, you know, and just riding it. And so all of a sudden, when that line is probably, like, 15 feet wide, you know, it makes a triangle, so at the wide part, not even, like, the narrow part, this guy just, just flies up next to me like he's mad that I was on the entrance ramp. And he pulls out this knife that's got to be, like, this long. He's like, I was like, I didn't even know he was there. I didn't know I was doing anything. What in the world is going on? Somebody needs to know that they're loved by God. Well, we love because he first loved us. So natural human love is just, you know, if you love me, you'll get out of my way so I can drive by you. <laughs> right? Uh, but the God kind of love denies itself for the sake of the one that it's direct and love towards. It says, I, I would rather you be blessed with this than that I was. I've got your best interest in heart, at heart. And so... Uh, the way to have a happy home is to walk in the God kind of love. And the way to develop spiritually is to walk in the God kind of love. How do you do that? Well, you simply, uh, now I gave you this book, we gave you this book, so you can meditate in all these different translations of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and then just say, I'm, I'm going to walk in love and practice them. The love of God is so amazing because we just read love is patient, right? Well, love is not patient with circumstances. I mean, I guess it would be, but that's not what that means. It's patient with people. Love is kind. Love is not looking to itself. Love is looking for the best of others. 
What can I do to help them? How, how can I uh, strengthen them? You know, love believes the best. So uh, even just walking in love with my children, when I experience a training opportunity with my children. <laughs> you look sad. Are you sad? <laughs> Evie's up here. The boys are back there. Okay. So when I experience a training opportunity with my children, you, you know, we all have flesh. And I've got uh, one teenager and one that's going to be a teenager in like a month and a half. So, you know, it's healthy and normal for uh, children as they're growing up to seek more independence. Sometimes the way in which they communicate that desire for independence is a little undesirable. I'm going to do what I want, <laughs> you know. Not you, here it's the other kids. <laughs> I'm sure, right? Okay, so... Or, you know, you have certain standards and they're not met in the home for boundaries or interactions. Am I making it like nice sounding? Okay. <clears throat> and so, you know, those are not met. Why did you do this? You have a discussion. Why did you do this? Well, the same actually can happen husband and wife or brother and sister. I told you not to wear my clothes. <laughs> I didn't wear your clothes. They smell like you. Well, I didn't wear them for very long. So, but you find out sometimes love believes the best, which means this person is acting so foolish. Instead of me believing, you're just a foolish person. There must be a reason they're doing this because I know that's not them. They must be under a lot of pressure. They must feel a lot of shame. What just happened in their life? Were they just embarrassed? Did they just do something they know they shouldn't have done so they have this real cloud of guilt? God, you know, the Spirit of God does not condemn you. But your own spirit might be like, I can't believe you just did that. I can't believe I just did that. And certainly the enemy himself will bring condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ to those who walk not after the flesh but according to the Spirit. So love believes the best. Love puts the best possible construction on the situation that just happened. What if you're wrong? What if they were really out to get you? And you put the best possible construction on it. Well, would that be so horrible? No, I just believe the best. I'm going to walk in love. Uh, I got this from Kenneth Hagin. He said this. I mean, back in the 19-teens, he started saying this. 
I'm going to walk in love whether anybody else does or not. I've just determined, I made a decision, I'm going to walk in love. Well, we ought to, we ought to all make that decision. I don't, care, I don't care if the person you respect the most naturally or spiritually doesn't walk in love. You just decide, I'm going to walk in love. Why? Well, they asked Jesus, what is, the first, what is the greatest commandment? What do you say? Walk in love. Love God. Walk in love with those around you. The first and greatest commandment. And actually, he said, this fulfills all of the law and the prophets. This walking in love. Well, in the Old Testament, he said, if you walk in my commandments, do what is right in my sight, I'll take sickness away from the midst of you and the number of your days I will fulfill. Well, so you could just paraphrase it and say, if you walk in love, every step out of love is a step of sin. So you just endeavor, I'm going to walk in love. You know, Dad Hagen said, um, I think he had about four or five opportunities to have a headache since 1933 till 2003. Four or five opportunities. What does that mean, an opportunity? Well, he said one time he was driving off the campus of the Bible school there, and as he turned the corner, all of a sudden his head started hurting. He just said, no, you don't in Jesus' name, and immediately left. So he said, I never had a headache in however many years that was. It was about 60-some years. He said, if I ever had trouble in my body, I didn't have it for very long. He said, but this is the first place I would look. Am I walking in love? Am I walking in love? In fact, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, talking about the Lord's table, says it's the only place in the New Testament where it says why believers would be sick because they don't rightly discern the Lord's body. That's two things mainly. One is you, you never really discerned or understood that you were healed by the stripes of Jesus. And number two, you're not walking in love. That the Lord's body is one. That, yeah, we're a part of the body, but... So is any, any uh, denomination or any believer, any group of people, even though they might have other names that you might have had bad experiences with, <laughs> the religious part of what they believed. If they believe in Jesus Christ, they're part of the body. Maybe people got a little off and a little into, more into religion than relationship. But, uh, you know, you just believe the best. And, uh, let me finish with this uh, story. And that is, um, one time, uh, you know, we believe in faith because we believe in the word. And the Bible calls the word of God the word of faith. So if you don't believe in the word of faith, you don't actually believe in the word of God. But when people talk about word of faith, sometimes they're talking about a religious type of thinking, okay? Uh, but Paul just called the word of God the word of faith. It's basically believing and speaking. The same way that you become born again is the same way that you're to live. We came into this thing by faith, and we just continue to live by faith. And um, 
so that Hagen was in a meeting and somebody got up and started ministering and started talking bad, what sounded like they were talking bad about people that believed in having faith in God, like we believe in having faith in God. And he said, I could have just turned them off right then. But I didn't. He said, I thought, oh, they must have just misspoke. And he had other thoughts, give him opportunity. <laughs> Some other thoughts were, well, maybe they, maybe they just don't understand. Because for years he didn't understand. You know, he had three incurable diseases, was not supposed to live past age 16, and all the ministers he found that would try to help him and believers would say, oh, just be patient, my boy, a little while longer. It'll all be over. Let, I'm going to comfort you. He'd, they'd come and they'd pray, Lord, while he's there in the bed, alive, Lord, just comfort the family in this time of grief. So he'd been on the other side where he didn't understand and nobody around him understood. And so uh, he said, you know what happened? Wasn't 10 minutes later after I would have turned that man off, he said something while he was ministering that I had been seeking the Lord about for 15 years. And the answer came to me because he walked in love. That's amazing. Amazing. Stand with me if you would. Open your hymnals <laughs> to page, where is it at? 64. Page 64 in your uh, love hymnal. Confession of the love of God. I think we all just confess this together. I'm going to say one, two, three, read. And then after I say read, then we'll read it. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> all right. Everybody found it? Page 64. I just want to say that. I've never said that faster in my life. Over to you. But we used to, I used to play the organ in my church and the piano, so I knew these the numbers like by heart. All right. One, two, three. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I shall endeavor to let that love nature dominate me. I have God's love nature in my heart, in my spirit. Therefore, I will not let my natural human reasoning dominate me. I refuse to allow the flesh to rule me. I am going to walk in the spirit by walking in love. I am a lover, not a hater. I will practice and exercise the fruit of love so it will grow and increase. One way I will practice the God kind of love is by taking no thought for a suffered wrong. I will practice thinking and saying the best of every person so my love can grow and develop and I can be a blessing to many. I will make the love of God my great quest in life. For then my love shall abound and God shall reap the glory. I will walk in God's love. I will not criticize others because God's love works no ill to his neighbor. When I am walking in God's love, I can claim God's best blessings in my life. I will be tender-hearted and forgiving, and therefore I shall reap a blessing. 
I will keep my tongue from speaking evil and pursue peace with every man. I thank you, Father, that as I endeavor to grow in the fruit of love, you will help me to be all that I can be in you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you first loved us. Thank you for loving us and for putting your love on the inside of us that we can love others with that same love. Thank you that your love never fails, never fades out, never becomes obsolete. We endeavor to walk in your love. Thank you that we can rise above the flesh by walking in love. Thank you that we can put our body under by walking in love. Thank you that we can overcome natural human reasoning by walking in love. Thank you that we can renew our mind so we think different. That we think love thoughts, agape love thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning, online or in person, you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never given your life to God by receiving His Son, Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. This will change your entire life. Somebody said, well, I tried loving people and it, it didn't work. Well, this kind of love never fails. This kind of love will soften the hardest. This kind of love overcomes. This is overcoming love. God loves you and he sent Jesus Christ, who is his own son, to die for you, to set you free. He won't force you to become part of his family. He won't force you to receive his son, but he gives you the opportunity to receive him. And as many as received him, as many, however many receive Christ, receive salvation. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, and the name of the Lord is Jesus Christ, will be saved. The Bible says with the mouth we declare what we believe, that Jesus is Lord. And when we do that, that we will be saved. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a couple minutes. And when I do, if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I want you to pray that prayer with me from your heart. The Bible says it's with the heart that we believe. So you can go through a mental exercise and just repeat something from your mind and be the same as when you came into this place. But if you believe with your heart and you say with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead and you receive him as your Lord, you will be changed. Christ will come to live in your heart. It's not because of the power of my prayer. It's because God loves you and hears your prayer. Many things we can all do together. This is something that is between you and the Lord. I can't pray a prayer for you. You have to give your own life to the Lord. With every head bowed, every eye closed, what you're saying by praying this prayer is you're saying, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for Jesus. I want to give my life to God. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I'm done with my past. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be cleaned up, and I want this new life. With every head bowed, just slip up your hand if you'd like to pray that prayer with us online, in person. We're just going to declare Jesus as Lord.
with every believer in the place. It's the greatest declaration you could ever make. Say this, say, God, I believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who seek you. I turn my heart towards you right now. I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. I believe that you raised him from the dead for me. And I receive him as my Lord, as my Savior. Thank you that I am now your child, that you're now my father, that I've come up into your family, and I am born again. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.